0: Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse, and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Har, and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast, where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please Tune in to the Trade Addicts Podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast.
1: Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the
0: film watchers and learn some at once. with the mask not adding up. You said I'm checking it out. I'm just finally working to the ground. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PAHowdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts and other other type plugs. Um, This week I sat down with Katie Fowler from the End of the Helmet podcast. It's entering that part of the off-season where I need to talk to other people to decide how insane some of the ideas have become while working on projections by myself all alone. I talked about Dallas and also Washington and also some specific rookies and other situations And um, with Katie. had a great time talking to her and I really appreciate her coming on to talk to me. Um, but before we get into it, I got like in trouble on Twitter, I guess you could call it, because I said DJ Moore is also a miss and that... Apparently, you can't say that. That triggers folk. So, I just wanted to point out uh, kind of what I was saying about DJ Moore, because um, everyone wanted to prove to me that he was a hit. I, I know, these young bloods, man, they don't know. I'm, I, I think I'm one of the reasons. Uh, I'm one of the first people to have known that DJ Moore was good um, before he even ended the NFL. So, like, they were trying to convince me he's good. And I don't know that's the conversation at this point. Um, He's had three years in the NFL. He has hit as a rookie. He's been very good on a team that has struggled, but he has not elevated either the situation, the team, or his own production in and of himself. After three years of being a top 24 player, not a top 12 player, it's now worth considering that players typically break out at their level. Now, can a player become a top 12 wide receiver after being perpetually or successively a top 24 player year one to three? Yeah, it can happen. However, the past to it normally has some sort of explanation. For example, you're undrafted and you're Adam Thielen or you're lower drafted and you're Robbie Anderson. And um, also, we have some players in tough competitions and situations that would be a corollary for DJ Moore, like Amari Cooper. But Amari Cooper's only ever finished as a top 12 wide receiver once. Amari Cooper's potentially his most positive comp, though, because Amari Cooper was uh, stranded, I guess we would say, in Oakland. And he wasn't in a competition mix, um, even when he went over to Dallas and finally got a top 12 season under his belt. Other players that he compares well to at this point, looking at his overall stats, are Tyler Boyd, who I always felt had more of a top-24 season. Now, the reason I was saying on Twitter that we, because we can't describe him as a miss, because it triggers folk, and we can't really have this conversation, is because the chances of a top-12 season just historically become less likely if you present yourself or present early through year 1-3 to three as a top-24 player. Through three years of his career, um, DJ Moore has, has had a shockingly low touchdown rate. And last year, we really went on hard, elevating his ADP from the third round up until the second round, expecting that touchdown rate to regress, his overall volume to maintain, which it did, and him to continue to be good, which he was and is, and therefore have a higher ceiling. Now, that's not a miss in Dynasty, but it is a miss seasonally to pay a second round pick expecting top 12 production and get top 24 production again in that way i was saying his value right now because he kind of trades and has the name value of that he's ever had he has dropped into the third round in 2021 adp so we're expecting slightly less and but he's being drafted right next to other players like Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, and others that have had that top 12 season. And his hitting that se- that height has become somewhat less predictable, somewhat less expectable after seeing his- the first three years of his career. Now, I still have DJ Moore as a fringe top 12 wide receiver in 2021, which is really why I was trying to talk about it. But instead of trying to talk about it, Everyone wanted to prove my point that you can't point out that DJ Moore has missed... ...because you just get locked into a conversation about whether or not he is good or not. Do I expect a top 12 season from DJ Moore? Right now I'm still on the fence. He would have to improve in touchdown rate... ...so we would have to have some belief that his lack of touchdowns through the first three years... ...have come from a product of his situation and his quarterback... ...which is somewhat fair to say... Terry Bridgewater has not had more than 16 touchdowns in the league, if I remember right. So Terry Bridgewater has shown somewhat of a limited season, although he has been scoring touchdowns at a higher rate than someone like Carson Wentz. So I don't know what the connection is between touchdowns and quarterbacks yet, but I think it's a valid conversation to have with DJ Moore going into his fourth year, still trading at top 12 potential value, having three years proven or proving that he's more of a top 24 player and that's me trying to fact check myself as someone who was hired DJ Moore coming in higher than him then Calvin Ridley I was trying to be honest and open with my process that maybe I have somewhat missed the ceiling by being so high on DJ Moore does he still have it he still has that potential but I think the chances of it are somewhat more muted and we have to start thinking about how likely it is he's going to have that season in 2020. One, with a new quarterback, but nowhere near the improvement that we might want, although we could have said the same about Ryan Tannehill at the time, to be fair. And he does have somewhat of a less competitive situation now. Curtis Samuel, a perpetual 14% target share guy, has left. Robbie Anderson has lower draft capital and was also, and has also, or has been inefficient in touchdowns. But that also means that we can't really expect either of them to create touchdowns for a team. Will this situation situation elevate just with the return of Christian McCann? We can hope. So, I don't have my answer yet on DJ Moore, but I do think it's a valid player to be questioning yourself on. We value him more right now than he currently has shown the ceiling of, and that's very different than saying he is not a good player. And with that said, let's go talk to Katie. So, uh, we don't really know each other, to be fair. Katie, um, I think I ended up playing in a league with you once before I knew anything or anyone, accidentally, um, and I know that based on the f- the DM I sent to you before the one asking you to come talk to me for this podcast was about a league I don't remember. So, right. <laughs> we played together, and um, so yeah, that's that's a full experience together. And I DM'd you mostly because, um, well, because you're awesome, obviously, but also because uh, FS Spaceman, if you know him, David Wright. Yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah, I
0: love him. He's awesome. He, I asked people for who I should talk to, and he was like, Katie. I was like, okay.
2: <laughs> Where do you live?
0: I live in Kentucky.
2: I knew that, actually, uh, now that you mention it. I remember that.
0: Hence the deep, thick Kentucky accent. That's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get yeah, that. I, I, I <laughs> It's normally a giveaway, but, you know, whatever, whatever. No, um, I didn't know what to talk to you about, though, but since I'm working on projections, and we've already had a brief conversation where I found out that's of no use to you because you don't do projections or ranks, but I thought we'd just talk about a team. Sorry.
2: One thing that I've been working on recently is, I mean, I am the diva of Debbie, so I try to get as much of an edge in the Debbie world as I can, and I've been working on a quarterback study, but that's it's too soon to start talking about that right now. But I'm doing a study all the way back to high school on a lot of these quarterbacks just to see the pattern, to see how much improvement, if any, or has the Tiger never changed his stripes? Like so far – yeah, so far I found that Lamar Jackson has not changed his stripes. He's the same dude now as he was in high school.
0: That sounds fun. I'm not going to de- I I've been dragged back into Dynasty. I'm not being dragged back into Devi. I'm so <laughs> the college landscape alone is deep enough for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I I've never delved into the high school looking at high school stats until this just now, but it's been an eye-opening experience. It's been kind of fun. I'm more of a film person, but I'm Actually, probably 5050 film and analytics, although I get my analytics. Like I'm a Patreon of you because I like your analytics.
0: <laughs> I, I
2: no, that. don't laugh. I'm I'm serious. I like to see your spreadsheets and I like to like David Wright also has really great. He's got a great writing.
0: Patreon as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's a Chad Parsons that I work with on UTH. He has a great projection model and and it's been pretty accurate through the years. It's not always, nothing's ever a hundred percent. But if you can put film together with the projections and they match, that's when it's like, whoo, light bulbs go off
0: i am um, uh actually laughed at the idea of anyone enjoying my stuff that was why i was laughing just to be clear um <laughs> but um i know what i've been talking about lately this off season is i disagree with people that work analytics a lot more than the work film because so we're looking at the same information in a different way and i don't know what to tell you about what you think of film like i don't know right. what to like you can tell me whatever you want about what you see and i'm like i can't ha- i don't have an opinion on what you see <laughs> but if someone right. argues about what i can see in a spreadsheet that i got have an opinion on I can tell you something about that. And so I find myself adjusting more for Zach Reed and J. Mike Check and um, Jake Anderson when he still occasionally stops playing golf than anyone else. But it does raise the question, because I'm starting to work um, my 2021 projections, which I just told you, I I had to delete them all. So that was fun. But, you know, start from scratch. And I asked you what an NFL team you want to talk about was, and you mentioned Dallas.
2: Yeah, I mean, I live just north of Dallas, and I get to go see the Cowboys at least once every year. I've been to their practice stadium. It's a beautiful place to go. Uh, I've loved the Cowboys my whole life, even when I grew up in Vermont. Uh, I was a New England Patriots and I still am a New England Patriots fan, but I, the Patriots, when I was growing up, they were always blacked out in, in Vermont. You couldn't get to see them. So the the Cowboys, they were America's team. I grew up, I'm a child of the sixties and seventies. And so I got to see the Cowboys on my television way more than any other football team. And I fell in love with the star. I fell in love with, the, with them. And then when I graduated from college, I actually got to go to a Super Bowl, Cowboys against the Bills in Atlanta. That was a lot of fun. Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, uh, Moose Johnston, Emmett Smith, you know, the whole nine yards. It was so much fun. So I've, now that I live in Dallas and I've gotten the chance to go see them live more often, I still love both teams.
0: Well, it's an exciting time to like the Cowboys. To be frank, is this is a good this is a good era for you? It seems Dak Prescott is uh, the new Tony Romo, but with uh, Super Bowl appearances or with uh, postseason appearances. Sorry, um, three great wide receivers, um, and uh, at least maybe uh, once was great running back. Although we can talk about that, but you did mention you don't do you don't do yourself uh, you don't project yourself, which is fine, but. I think we all have some expectations of the coming season. so I was wondering how you handle that. like CD lambs going into his second year, finishing the top twenty four as a rookie looked amazing on a spreadsheet at least uh, i can't I can't tell you what you saw. So how do you handle that? like are you doing the best ball FF FC uh, eliminators or anything?
2: I am doing uh, I'm hosting uh, Tim and I are co-owning for the Fce the eliminator, John Bosch. Is that
0: what yeah, you're yeah, about? that's about? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm aiming for because value or no, you either have to go in on C.D. Lamb as being a top 12 wide receiver or whatever or not in order to draft him in a baseball. And so that's kind of the mindset. I don't want to know necessarily what you would put in a spreadsheet because you've got no interest in that. Just um, what you think these players might do um, this season and well, why.
2: Right, so it all starts with Dak Prescott. And he has been very consistent with 300 to 400 completions per year, his entire career, except for the year that he got hurt. So if you project that he's going to have 350 plus completions and he's got three really good wide receivers, uh, MFL has them pretty much evenly split. You look at Amari Cooper, Last year, he had 92 receptions. This year, they've got him projected at 82. But they still have him projected for 1,093 yards and six touchdowns. They've got C.D. Lamb projected at 75 with 1,005 touchdowns, which is very decent. And then they've got Michael Gallup at 73 with 1,060 yards and six touchdowns. So all three wide receivers can be fed by Dak, Dak, Prescott is going to have probably 350 to 380
0: completions this year. Like normal. Yeah, he's the most disrespected top five quarterback in the league, really, because he's a top five quarterback multiple years, and he's the only one not getting drafted like it. And quite often he falls to quarterback like four or five. In fact, in those best balls, I've got three of them running, and I'm in one because I wanted to challenge Jake Anderson um as well and Dak's going quite often as a second and third quarterback so i think dynasty ranks are lying to us somewhat um dynasty players i don't know if you feel the same way but they uh they tilt hard on the draft capital like they're still holding it against Dak Prescott i feel like
2: yeah i mean tim and i co-own a team in the under the helmet uh fce for john bosch and we took Dak Prescott as our first pick we had the 106 and there was no question. He was our 101. He he was the guy that we wanted to get. And I think he can. He is capable of feeding multiple targets. They've got a great offense. They don't have to be one sided, one dimensional. And also, I think that Ezekiel Elliott, besides his rushing yards, is going to have somewhere in the range of about 50 to 60 receptions himself for another 400, 500 yards somewhere in that zone. So, again, it all starts and ends with that. With Dak.
0: But I do have some concerns, like we saw last year, like we thought Michael Gallup might have a poor season because it's hard to sustain three wide receivers. Um, and he did it, but, well, actually he didn't play the full season, but they did it, but they did it by co-opting some of each other's volume as well. Like something about, uh, uh, I I think uh, good players help each other out, but those they limit each other's ceiling somewhat. We see that with Stefan Diggs. Now he's without Adam Thielen. Can CD Lamb ever be the wide receiver we hoped he could be as a rookie with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the team? Like, is the ceiling somewhat more muted?
2: Well, again, what do you consider his ceiling? A thousand yards as a.
0: That's like a top. that, that, that's one that's like a top 24 wide receiver for fantasy, and that's great. But I really thought, I really thought, I felt personally, let's put me on the block, like he was a really good top 12 prospect, like something we hoped Amari Cooper could be. And he kind of flirted with it, but never quite came up with a consistency like Odo Beckham was the first three years of his career, like the Heights. And, and with Amari Cooper, who's definitely good, and Michael Gallup, who's apparently still good despite the draft capital being thrown over his head. Um, I worry he can't quite hit that top 12 season. Now I'm actually kind of, what do you feel like about that?
2: I, I don't know that he can. I think that Amari Cooper that's is it. a very good talent. And I think that Michael Gallup is a very good talent and Dak is a distributor of the football. I think.
0: Oh yeah. that's a... so,
2: so I think all three of them could reach a thousand yards and could be top 24. And I think that he could have some top five weeks. Absolutely. Uh He's he's not somebody that I'm trading. I don't think he's going to reach that elite status until right. Cooper's gone, until Cooper's gone, and and then depends also on who else they get. But at that point, he will be he will be dominant. I mean, when we look at guys like Julio Jones and AJ Green and some of the guys that have been really stud top five wide receivers for any period of time, it's been because they were. Like Julio Jones had, I can't remember the name of the wide receiver at this particular time, but he was the one that was the lion's share of the targets, and then he was gone, and Julio took over. I think that CeeDee Lamb will take over, but not this year. I think he's still going to be a very valuable asset. I just don't think that he's going to be – the guy
0: probably doesn't pay off his redraft or his uh that fc eliminator price because he's being drafted significantly high for good reason i mean he's a great player on a good offense with a good quarterback but if he doesn't have that ceiling he probably you're probably drafting him around where you're the production you're what 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 am i trying to say there you're paying for what you're gonna get (laughs) there you go that's it
2: but here's the other thing with the eliminator you don't have to be the top Every week, you just, just don't want the bottom. You just yeah. don't, yeah. You just don't want to be the bottom. <laughs> so any of those three wide receivers are going to give you a decent floor, and that's what you're looking for. Later in the season, as the season goes on and teams are eliminated, then you definitely want more ceiling. But you've got to play. I mean, it, there's a certain strategy that's involved. You've got to look at it the whole picture. Guys that are going to come on in the second half. And could they come on because of injury? So I'd still gamble on a CD lamb in that FCE because he's got a good floor. And if Amari Cooper gets hurt, I thought you were going to yeah,
0: right. Right. If the room opens up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But you Um, don't know that. And it's a long season and you can't pick up anybody off waiver. So for that particular format, I'd still bet on any of those three, but who's the cheapest of all three Gallup. Gallup.
0: Always Gallup. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess the uh, the the thing you can know that I don't is so he's not looking so good on the field that you'd think he could just outplay Cooper and Gallup so much that whether they're healthy or not he can rise because that's what I really want to have.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I'm mean, saying
0: no. <laughs>
2: I, well, they they've only had one OTA so far, so it's not. That's like fair. I
1: that's mean, fair. It, it's
2: it's too soon, but uh, Dak Prescott. The good news is he's declared himself 100% healthy. He, he oh, feels yeah. good. He's back. And that is what I was looking for. Again, everybody on the team rises and falls and depends on Dak Prescott being healthy. And he has declared himself healthy. He feels good. Even his teammates are like, just seeing him back is a breath of fresh air. Everybody feels so much better. And they've got a great defense. So, I bet it
0: would be a relief, actually. So <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's voluntary, and he's there.
0: Yeah. No, good sign. I actually have no concern, because I don't do a lot of injury stuff, because I literally, I, I have more, I have a better chance of hurting my chances at guessing whether a player is going to be injured or not than helping. So if they say if he says he's feeling pretty good, I'd probably just believe him, so um, kind of related, I guess, is Ezekiel is old now. I guess 26 is old these days, says the 30. I think I'm 36. My wife told me the other day I'm 36, so I guess 26 is definitely over the hill. I don't know what that makes me. Um, but there is a concern, especially I'm coming from Dynasty and you're coming from even deeper than Dynasty, Miss High School Scout. Um, do you have any concerns that there could be a drop off? I just Because I typically don't, but running backs, you do want young running backs on the way up, typically. So it's kind of a conflict. I don't see a reason to project Zico Elliott to have anything but a good fantasy season. But um, how are you feeling about him? You watched him and know much more about him being so close.
2: All right, so here's my gut feeling. Based on what I've seen, last year he looked lackadaisical. He did not look like his heart was in it. He didn't, I mean, it wasn't nothing to do with age. It was attitude. He's renewed this year from everything that I've seen. And he's hungry again, which I don't know what he finally flipped the script, but I do think that he wants to rise back to the Zeke that eats and jumps in the barrel. barrel. No, I don't think that 26 is old, but the worry in dynasty is that there is a cliff and for running backs, it is a very real thing, but 26 is the prime 26 27 when you start a little bit older then yeah 28 i i'd say sell but at this point unless unless your team is completely rebuilding he's an asset that you want to have and i think he is in for a resurgence i think he's going to not only get a lot of yards on the ground. They've got a great offense. They've got a solid defense. They just drafted three linebackers that are really going to help that defensive core. And on top of that, those wide receivers are going to open up the the running game and he's a good pass catching running back. I think his head has been for him. It's been his mental, his mental side. And it looks like from the practices that I've seen, and the tweets that I've seen, he looks like he's back hungry, ready to go.
0: Um, I think something you're saying that I think is often missed, especially with the uh, quote-unquote team old guy, is context matters. And this isn't an old team. It's not a rebuilding team. It's a team that's pushing. It's He's in a great situation. And I have been concerned with his off-field stuff for a long time because I tend to just avoid it. Same thing with injuries. I don't know where what's in a man's heart. I just know that he seems to not be as interested, or not. Uh, he's in the news a lot, but that way, so I just tend to avoid it. And when studies have been done on running backs entering their second contract or into their second half of their career, and what we find is it's quite pretty similar performance metrics. Running back performance metrics tend to suck, like yards per carry isn't great, but we've got what we've got with yards group yards created and missed tackles were created and there seems to be like with wide receivers survivorship bias um a 32 year old Julio isn't the average 32 year old a 26 year old Ezekiel Elliott isn't your average 26 year old running back and so you should probably still expect them to be pretty good and um, back in 2018 he had like 73 percent of the rushing attempts I think those days are gone just if nothing else because the team is structured not purely around Zico or Elliott anymore with those three good wide receivers. But he doesn't have to get to 70%. He can have 60% and a decent target share in line with his last two years. And as long as he's healthy, uh, I, I think he's still good enough to put up a top 12 season at least, And um, which does make me wonder. I don't know how you feel about um, rookie running backs or sophomore running backs this year, but I seem to be less excited than usual because, like I say, I normally target the young running backs on the way up. In dynasty, um, and established wide receivers, which is normally why I'm talking about Team Old Guy. But this year, I'm seen to be less excited about Swift, about Acres, about Dobbins, and I'm more excited about Elliott. So, do you have any? Do you feel like that going into 2020 in those eliminated drafts? Because you don't do projections or ranks, but do you think this might be a year where the good running backs? CMC, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, they're still the guys, even though usually you want the younger guys. Or do you not normally want those guys?
2: (laughs) Again, I do a lot of dynasty. The FCE is more like a redraft, and you've got to treat it like a redraft. So to that extent, I want my CMCs and my Saquons and – uh, my yeah. back now running backs, and mm-hmm. no, I I do have pause when it comes to J.K. Dobbins and his usage. Right. I like him. I like him for dynasty, absolutely, a hundred percent. But and same it's thing. More, with Are
0: going to have value for longer than you think they're going to be better this year, though? Is right. That fair to that's Are fair you? to
2: say. That's fair to say. Absolutely. Um. And I love DeAndre Swift, but not for just a one year. He's a dynasty asset.
0: Right, right, right. If you're
2: doing a redraft or an FCE type thing, then I would rather have Antonio Gibson. I think he's got the backfield to himself. There's no questions, and he can catch. He's big enough. He can run. Uh, so for me, in in that kind of format, I'd rather have a young guy like Antonio Gibson.
0: It's kind of if off I the point. Get,
2: if but. I can't get one of those top five, you know, CMC, Saquon, Ezekiel, uh, and et cetera.
0: Um, it's kind of off the point, but I am really interested in Washington long because obviously I love Ryan Fitzpatrick um, but uh, <laughs> Terry McLaurin is someone who successfully just beat all my expectations. And I kind of have a deep love and affection for those guys could just outperform expectation or especially my expectation. But 2021 looks like a rough year, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick, because you don't have an ascending team. You don't have a Dak Prescott I don't mind the ad of Dimey Brown, but wide receiver two isn't really the position I was hoping they improved this off season. Um, But with Antonio Gibson in your love column, I guess we can call it. Do you think the team can maintain or grow from what it was last year? Or do you think it's kind of, um, or what actually I just, I'm not going to give you options. What do you think?
2: (laughs) Okay. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is a sneaky, I mean, we call him Ryan Fitzmagic. right? (laughs) <laughs> uh, you've got a a running. You've got Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, who are both good running backs that can run up the middle, but that both of them can catch. And I think that they both can be viable. I think that Terry McLaurin, I think Curtis Samuel is a sneaky play. I think he's going to get several targets because of necessity. Uh, yeah, more- that's
0: that's that's a problem in Washington. It's who the targets are going to come, but there's no one that's really uh, a, a Cooper or a seedy lamb. And there's
2: no names that are, that are just like,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: <they're> gonna- <laughs> side <laughs> of
0: Terry McLaurin. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. But Terry McLaurin before he became Terry McLaurin wasn't a name either. And he was a sleeper in rookie drafts. So I, I scooped him up in as many as I could. And it was because there weren't anybody else in Washington. There wasn't anybody else in Washington to catch passes. And I liked his skill set enough to where I said, look, who else are they going to pass to? This dude can catch. Um, So with that same, I think Curtis Samuel, who played for Ohio State as a running back and an H-back, the the receiving back out of the backfield for uh, Urban Meyer, I think he's quite capable of catching the ball and and doing quite well. Logan Thomas, another the tight end. I think he oh, he's he in had to for another big season. So let's don't discount him. Uh I think they've got enough between those four guys that I just named where I don't expect them to blow up as far as being in the NFC East, but They can put up enough offense to make those guys' fantasy relevant this year. And then who knows what happens next year. They're cheap enough. Every single one of them except for Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. If I'm drafting late, I'm taking Curtis Samuel, I'm taking J.D. McKissick, and I'm taking Logan Thomas on a bet, no problem.
0: See, that's the thing, though. I think uh, the reason Terry McLaurin impressed me is because he wasn't one of those guys, and then he proved himself to be. I don't think it's because the field was open in front of him. The same way on the Jets, we didn't see anyone really run away with that open field and um, without anyone else to be targeted. Denzel Mims I had a lot of hope for, but it just doesn't seem like he's he's the guy. I think Dimey Brown could be one of those guys. And like you say, Logan Thomas was solid, but despite my love of lower-drafted guys, teams tend to fade them as soon as they can. I have... But I'm kind of in else.
2: line. They've got nobody else, so they're going to have to use him. That's the whole point. He did well last year. I. That's why I said just for one more year until they make changes. They didn't make changes.
0: Yeah, I think um, Curtis Samuel has shown us the type of volume player he is, though. He got up to like a 19% target share in 2020, which is impressive. I actually do have some Antonio Gibson concerns I don't want to get into because I don't want to say more things that you don't like. No, you can say whatever
2: you want.
0: No, um, Gibson, I think he's more of a top 24 running back in and of himself. Again, just by the amount of volume. And I have concerns that they kept taking volume away from him. I have this kind of golden rule, which is the NFL doesn't like different I applaud Washington for going in on Gibson as a convert, and Gibson's definitely a very talented player, but they seem to keep sliding away from him, especially towards the last uh, last half of uh, the season, although he did come back a little bit in the last few weeks, if I remember right, and J.D. McKissick, I think if J.D. McKissick is stealing so much work from you, that probably says something about the team intent and their comfort with their three-down usage of Gibson, but You know, they did bring in Lamar Miller, who I'm not overly concerned with, Antonio Gibson. I don't think he has a higher ceiling than he's already presented.
2: That's fair. I I still think that he will get even marginally more than what he had last year. We'll see. I mean, he's very talented as far as receiving the ball and running the ball, and he's got the size to do it.
0: So, no, I, I, I think he's good. Um, it's speaking of expectation for teams, this isn't a question i vetted or nothing, but I did ask the last person I was talking to who, who was that? Um, I'm worried about disappointment in 2021 because 2020 was such an unusual season and it really seemed to put the defense on the back foot. Am I just insane or overthinking that kind of thing? Or
2: again, uh, as far as predicting what will happen this year compared to last year
0: with, fair with, fair. with
2: certain offenses and and All of that. What I can say is this year's rookie draft, I've been saying it for a long time, was very disappointing with running backs. There's only two, Mm. maybe three guys, and then everybody else is a reach. And if you're playing in dynasty, young doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be productive early. And as much as I love guys like DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers, I like them for the long term. This year, I do agree with you that as long as everybody stays healthy, your stud guys are going to be CMC and Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott and right. Dalvin. <laughs> Kirk, and, and I'm okay with that.
0: Um, I'm going to try and get you out of here because if anyone doesn't know, like Katie's just done a podcast, she's jumped on this one. Uh, At short notice after I changed the time and the date, three different times, so I really appreciate you uh, putting up with me. Something just happened with Trey Sermon, right? One of the running backs in front of him, uh, Wilson. Um, Wilson. She's having surgery. He's going to miss four to six weeks. Are you in on Trey Sermon, or does he seem like that late first-round rookie draft reach like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn?
2: I don't think he's a reach like Keyshawn Vaughn, but I don't think he's going to give you what you expect either. I think he may be just a flash here. He's never done, and he's done a lot of things well, but nothing particularly great.
0: Yeah. 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 That's exactly how I would describe it. Like he was a good running back on two different teams, but not an exceptional yep. running back on either. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. And he's, he's a decent guy that will score you some fantasy points. But if you think that he is, Elite, he's not. If you think that he is great, he's not. He's good. He's good. But I, I think he's not better than a- I think he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn. But the guys <laughs> the, the guys that are going that I see in rookie drafts that are that are eye-opening, like Michael Carter, he, he's going, I think, way too early. And again, when you have a weak running back class, people prop running backs up unnecessarily. And this year it's Michael Carter that ends up being propped up. And
0: do you not like Michael Carter because he shared so much of the backfield or?
2: Just the overall combination between size. uh, I, I don't think that he is a three down back for sure. So he's going to be that change of pace type of guy. It's just a question of how much is he going to carve out, and I, I anybody that's not the guy that can be the bell cow in fantasy is just another guy. So why would you want to use an early draft pick on just another guy? Um, Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell is just another guy, but he's he's at least because of his draft capital going much later. I thought he was going to be this year's Keyshawn Vaughn. He so is. he. For the NFL draft, but once he slid in the NFL draft, and now he's in Philadelphia, most people aren't even really drafting or going that crazy about him, which is fine. He, they shouldn't.
0: He also landed in a rough spot, really. And um, I would like that's who I was going to ask. Who would you take over, Michael Carter? That people are sleeping on to overdraft yes. this uh, this fellow Who I just would a take Terrence
2: Marshall because in that range, I'd rather have Terrace Marshall than Michael Carter. I'd rather have. Even uh, I'm not a big Amon Ross St. Brown fan. I don't think he's got a high ceiling. He's got a decent floor, but there's a lot of wide receivers I'd rather take over, or even Pat Fryermuth, uh, depending on if it's tight end premium or not. But just saying, there's a lot of other guys. I'd even rather have Kyle Trask in a super flex over Michael Carter.
0: No, that's about what I feel like. um, This is where your mileage may vary. I find them... I find Michael Carter, Terrence Marshall, being drafted early second round, so they're kind of a short. I'm definitely in favor of leaning any other position but running back this draft.
2: Cool. One, of my terms, <laughs> one of my terms that I use, and I don't know if you listen to me on other podcasts or not, but when I do my scouting profile, it's like if a if a college football player doesn't have a steak ass, then he's off my board. Like I, w- I don't want a hamburger, but I don't want this somebody. Is-
0: is this AJ? Is this the AJ Dillon corollary or something? Well,
2: it's not just AJ Dillon, but <laughs> guys that. like Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, like
0: uh baby got to have back. I get you, <laughs> baby
2: got to have back. If you're a running back, you got to have that thick thighs, the thick hips, you know, uh, and and then you've got to have the agility and everything else that goes with right. it. Or, but I don't want somebody that's just a, a skinny butt that, you know, like 195 pounds, 190 pounds. That's just that ain't it. That's not going to be a bell cow in the NFL. You can't tote the load.
0: Sorry. I got you. No, that's okay. I mean, uh...
2: at, a, at a certain point, size matters. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: She says directly into a nerd's face. Fine, okay. Um, no, I get it. My my, my girl's all about the value and that stake. I I can't compl- I can't disagree. It's 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 a good way to live. Um, yeah, I, I do really appreciate you coming on, and I hate having to shuffle you around because you are someone I was really uh, and have enjoyed uh, talking to. It's just my life sucks, and I suck at life, <laughs> and that's really the reason. But I appreciate you sticking through. Um, no, I process better when there's someone to I sanity check me. Like I say something and you're like, nah, nah. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds so crazy. Okay. And, uh, it, it's part of my, it's become part of my process, but. Um.
2: That's one of the things that I love about Debbie leagues. It's still unfettered. There's still a lot of content more now than when I first got into it in 2014. However, it's still the wild west. And you as an owner, as a dynasty owner, as somebody that drafts Devi players, as somebody that discusses Debbie players, it's still going to be years before you find out if you're right or you're wrong. And so it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. There's the hit rate is just really bad, but what is your process and are you having fun? Are you enjoying the process? What are you learning from it? And that's I, I love Debbie because I can have my own opinions and my own feelings and my own thoughts and not have to worry about what anybody else thinks because you know what we won't know for several years which person is right and which person is wrong all I know is my own track record my dynasty leagues that I win in my and that I lose and I'm I'm good with that.
0: Um, I really appreciate that. I would just like to tell the Dynasty Crossroad audience, you can't have your own thoughts. You should feel bad and you should get it right. I'm judging you personally and on a personal level. Other than that, um, if you want someone more reasonable, uh, Katie's out here being that exact person. Where can they find you and listen to you, Kate?
2: Absolutely. So on Twitter, you can find me at FF underscore Scholar 399. I am the diva of Debbie. And I am on the Under the Helmet Weekly Show Every Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And every now and again, we're trying to build it up the uh, Off the Rails podcast with Jeremy Brown and Scott Connor and and Walk. And uh, we've got another episode, in fact, this week that we'll be recording.
0: Once again, thanks, Kate. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to me. This was fun. Um, uh, Learned a lot about steak. It seems to be my main (laughs) takeaway. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play, run, fold, so. Jake on the table and Abe on the play? so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Close. Picking their brains, got different in lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, stick got that eye, I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the place though. Peter and Numa, it's a the place they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the place though. Peter and Numa, it's a the place they're analytical.